You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, I got something I really want to talk about that I'm feeling good about. I came finally, I tell you what, nine out of ten times when things become completely clear to me, it's when I first wake up in the morning. And about 95% of that time is when I'm in the bathroom. But that's neither here nor there. That early morning clarity, man. Don't have all this nonsense clouding me out. That or I'm just overtired and I'm still half dreaming. And what I'm about to say is really stupid. Maybe that's what this whole podcast is. And that's why you guys are here. Because everything I say is so stupid because I'm still sleeping when I wake up in the morning. And you're like, this is great. This guy is an idiot. He says it with such conviction, too. But anyways, I I had it all lined up and ready to go, and I just had to go on Twitter. And I want to get it out of the way, because it's coming. Here is an interview that Deshaun Kaiser did with Adam Brenneman. I don't know who Adam Brenneman is, but he sat down with uh, former Packers quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, and here's what he had to say about Aaron Rodgers. Shut the door, and the first thing that that comes out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth was, you believe in 9-11? <laughs> what? <laughs> Do I believe in 9-11? Yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't I? He was like, you should read up on that. You should read up on that. Okay. <laughs> now we start learning about the playbook and stuff. I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know where this is going. But what it ended up being was just like a, a real thought experiment where he wanted me to go back and you know, look into some of the conspiracies around it and provoke a lot of great conversation. And we really bonded over that. And, you know, we started sharing some books and talking about some other things and got into history and business and finance. <laughs> you have any other conspiracy about theories? About <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> inner Earth, <laughs> moon landing. The moon? Oh, he's probably, he's, he's probably uh, got some crazy theories on the uh, moon reptile landing. Reptile people. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are laughing. Go do your research. I'm telling you. Go do your research. Yeah, I might have to take you guys to Agartha. I'm telling you. Do your research. You guys are laughing. This isn't. It sounds like jokes, but like I'm. 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 Now, when this first thing started, my first thought was Rogers is messing with Kaiser, right? First thing he says to the guy when he walks in is, "What's your thought on 9/11 or whatever?" Um, I'm thinking this is this is classic. Aaron Rodgers humor, locker room, whatever. But if he's taking hazing to the level of they're talking about this on a daily basis, they're reading books together and sharing books and, and having long-standing conversations and, and doing research together about this stuff, and he's bringing him along again, giving him books that he already knows about, potentially already owns, I don't know. I don't think it's a joke. And I haven't seen this. Maybe you have. I, it's hilarious. I've never heard of the term chemtrail until my wife told me about it like a week ago. She's like, you know about chemtrail? I'm like, I've never heard of that in my life. She's like, well, it's becoming like a big thing. I, you haven't heard of it? No, I've never heard of it before. I thought it was a new stupid thing that people are saying, but apparently it's not. 
somebody posted this in the comments. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFL for 15 seasons. He's had a lot of backup quarterbacks over the years. Several of his former quarter uh, backups spoke to ESPN to share what it's like to work beside the NFL star. Perhaps no story was more bizarre than the one Seneca Wallace told about Rodgers' apparent belief in chemtrail conspiracy theories, the idea that cancer-causing toxins are sprayed by chemical planes overhead as part of a government plot to control the population, among other things. Okay, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories or whatever, but this is the dumbest crap I've ever heard. And and, and maybe it's just because my wife has no idea what's going on. She tried to relay her understanding of it, but she's like, you know those lines in the air? I'm like, yeah, the ones from planes. She's like, well, there's been more than usual, apparently. No. Yeah, no, yeah, apparently there there has been, like, more than usual. How do you, how do you know? You've been tracking it? Well, I just noticed. Y- you know what? You ever been car shopping? I want you to go car shopping, and I want you to notice a really crazy phenomenon. Whatever cars you're interested in buying, you're going to start seeing them everywhere. Suddenly, they're going to pop up all over the place. If you want to go buy a Sienna, I never in my life see Siennas driving around. If you want to go buy one, you start doing research on them, you're going to see every third car is going to be a Toyota Sienna. I think it's Toyota. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure. If somebody tells you that there's more streaks in the sky than usual, you're going to start noticing there's more streaks in the sky than usual. Secondly, who's dying? And how do you know they're dying because of chemtrails? Third, chemicals are being dropped from, what, 30,000 feet in the air? Do we really think those chemicals are going to make it all the way down here to, to a toxic level? Do you know how much that stuff is going to disperse? Let me put that in reverse. I remember when I was flying to Florida one time, you know, when you're down on the ground, you see these giant power plants and they've got these big towers and I think it's mostly water vapor, but we assume it's just pure toxins coming out of these things, right? And you look at it and it's like, that is killing our earth. I was flying in an airplane. I know this isn't what anybody cares about, but I was flying an airplane to Florida. And if you see those power plant things from above, it's nothing. When you look at how much air there is, it's this tiny little thing, and it's not even reaching up to you. It's completely dispersed. And those things are so compact and filled with whatever that is, it doesn't get anywhere near the airplane. It's a tiny speck that is entirely dispersed going upward. If you drop a little bit of chemical out of a plane, do you know how many parts per million are going to make it over a 500 square mile area when it hits the ground? You couldn't pick it up on on a Geiger counter or whatever else you would use. I don't know. I don't know where these things come from. But again, I, I... I have no idea what this chemtrail thing is or where it's coming from, but those are just the thoughts that popped into my head within five seconds of thinking about it. Good Lord. Anyways, you know I love a good conspiracy theory, but it needs to be a good... Why are conspiracy theories the worst conspiracy theories? I mean, we know conspiracies happen. It's when people conspire. Of course, people conspire all the time. And theories are just theories. Why can't we come up with theories of conspiring that make more sense? Anyways, that one annoyed me, but only because I first heard about it like, I don't know, two weeks ago, probably. But just so you know, um, the efforts to defend Aaron Rodgers, if you desire to do such a thing, are going to get much more complicated over the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours. But anyways, leaving all that aside, it's funny because that's the first thing I saw, and I just kind of refreshed on Twitter, and that is literally all anybody is talking about, and they're arguing about, so... That's, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, that's what you're going to be dealing with on social media is nothing but that. Now, to be clear, I do think the fact that it's the first thing he said when he walked in the door is a part of Aaron Rodgers' kind of quirkiness. I, I do believe that. But I also believe that he thinks these things. Which again, whatever. He's not hurting anybody. Leave the guy alone. Now, on to the thing that I wanted to talk about. The, uh question that is at the forefront of everybody's mind, which probably shouldn't be. Well, maybe it should be. I don't know. But it's the quarterback situation. Specifically, should Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love be the quarterback moving forward? I want to read some things here. And there's a lot of things. But I asked the question on Twitter because it seemed like everybody was kind of, I mean, most Packer fans, most people outside of Packer land, NFL media, well, not everybody. There, there's a lot of friends 
of Aaron Rodgers in the media. Those people clearly are very pro-Rodgers. Aside from the guys and girls that have been around for a long time, like Stacey Dales has been saying stuff that is very pro-Rodgers and everything. And I don't mean to say pro and anti, but you know, in terms of everything out of their mouth is going to be defending Aaron Rodgers because they're longtime friends of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, most everybody that's just looking at this rationally seems to have come to the conclusion that Jordan Love should be starting. So with that in mind, I went on Twitter and I asked a question. Genuinely curious, not trying to fight, just trying to get another perspective. I, you have to put that qualifier in there now because if you just ask simple freaking questions for your podcast, it's going to turn into people bludgeoning you because everyone's a complete idiot. With the season done and Rodgers in real bad shape physically, what is the best argument for keeping him at quarterback? And yes, I just meant this year. Here are some of the responses, and I'll probably skip some of the sarcastic ones, but, but maybe not all of them. Um, his ego. Whoops. Uh, he's still a great quarterback. His cap hit too. That may have been somebody thinking I meant in the long term, because I don't think he is a great quarterback right now. He had a good game, but so did Jordan Love. He's a, Rogers had like two good games this year. Granted, two of three came the last two weeks, but whatever. Um, that one didn't answer the question. The best argument I can think of is to let him play out the last remaining time of his career. Not a great argument, but the best I can think of. I would assume that would in he's either implying that he's done after this year, or he means as long as he's playing, which could be two, three years, he should be the starter. I don't know. He's right. It's not a good argument. His, he says there's no good argument. He's turning 39 as a broken thumb, maybe torn ligaments in his rib cage and or fractured ribs. Shut him down. Packer Superfan says there isn't one. Seriously, what on earth would be the rationale? I'm a Ruski Cybernet. Oh, that's funny. That's good. It says $50 million this year alone. It's not correct, but I get it. Kyle says he absolutely shouldn't play another snap. They need to know what love is. They owe it to themselves, and why risk Rodgers getting hurt worse? Rodgers' toughness isn't in question, but with a loss this season, why push it? Attorney at Party Rocking <laughs> says there isn't one. Love should have already been starting. Kelly says there really isn't any. JJ says, I mean, if, you haven't, uh, if you're having him back next year, he wants to play. You're not eliminated yet, and the Bears are up next. I think you have to play him. I might want to save that one. Because the first part of that is kind of where I'm going. But we'll continue. Progressive Packer says if he is set on returning in 2023, getting more reps with his young weapons would be beneficial. Even still, it probably makes more sense to let Love play. Justin of uh, Packernet fame, there's no good argument to keep him in there other than he probably wants to play. He'll come back next year, and they don't want to piss him off. Uh, Packrat says there isn't one. Carry the G, better draft position. That's funny. Go Pack Go. Oh, also $150 million is a pretty good argument as well. Goose says for his legacy, not sure if it is doing any good, though one more time if he decides to hang it up. Watching Rodgers spank the Bears would be at all time. Uh, all the argument I need, that is maybe my new favorite argument. I'm afraid that without Rodgers we can't beat the Bears, and I want to beat the Bears. Larry says, well, you certainly don't telegraph not playing Rodgers, especially against the Bears. Also, the team is not eliminated yet. As we begin the transition process, things will get messy. Rodgers has always been and will remain highly competitive. So that's also another point to be made, is if you're going to shut him down, you wouldn't necessarily tell anybody. Um, although, at this point, they've pretty strongly committed to him. I think they would, they would probably get into the point of saying, we're not going to commit one way or another, is what they would start saying when Jordan Love is about to play, which is kind of... Not the greatest fake of all time, but there you go. Maybe what you're doing. All right, all right. Conspiracy theory time. You ready? I figured it out. Thank you, Larry. Sexy he him. I don't know, man. I'm just reading stuff. Um, here's how it went. The Packers and Rodgers have already decided that if this Eagles game doesn't work, we're shutting them down. However, we're going to take it a step further. Oh, this is good. If the Eagles game is basically over and we're losing, it's done deal, Rodgers is going to come out with an injury. Not the same old injury because that would make him seem soft, right? He just could, he's been playing with that thumb and now he just can't take it anymore. He's a pansy. Nope. New injury on top of the old injury. Rib injury. Can't breathe. Take him back. X-rays the whole nine yards. Then... When next week rolls around, we're going to say Rodgers is our guy pending some tests. And we're going to say, yeah, the tests are looking good. Everything's looking fine. We're just going to keep running some tests. We'll see how she goes. And he is going to be questionable, maybe doubtful, but questionable. And then they're going to shut him down last minute. 
which has always been the plan because the plan had more to do with the season being over than anything else. You want to know why he went and took x-rays? The guy couldn't breathe. They thought he had a punctured lung, took x-rays, no damage whatsoever. You know why? Because the team's faking it. Hey, Rogers loves a good conspiracy theory. He's read up on every book there is to read on it. He knows how to do this stuff, man. This was all his plan. And it's brilliant. Dude doesn't have a rib injury. Got to a point in the game where they're like, you know what? This game is cooked. The season is cooked. This team sucks. That, that, that was basically Rogers' code word. When he's ready to be done and just be like, screw this. You know what you do? You drop to your knees and you hold your ribs. And we're going to pull you out. We'll take you out back. And I don't even know if he was taking an x-ray. He might have been eating a cheeseburger. Depends if the medical staff's in on it. I don't know if they can be. They're kind of like a separate entity. They might have had to do it. And of course, the team was shocked to find out that the tests were all negative. All in a ploy to surprise the Bears with Jordan Love. I respect it. I respect it. Uh, T says, I've been wondering why we didn't let him heal after the loss to the Giants or the Jets for a couple weeks. It seems he would have had a similar record, maybe better. Love would have had more live reps. The team could have rallied around 12 coming back healthy for a stretch run. I kind of alluded to that when it was happening. When we had heard about the situation, the, the thought was, we probably should let it heal so that it doesn't become a year-long thing. Well, it's already been a year-long thing, and we, we heard Ian say, if it hasn't healed by now, it's going to require surgery. Maybe the reason it hasn't healed is because every week he's taking a bludgeoning to his entire body, including his hand, and that kind of creates an environment that's hard to heal. Plus, throwing footballs probably doesn't help either. So, yeah, by refusing to sit him, already up to this point, I think it's caused more problems. But we didn't want to do that because this is our stretch to win and we're in a critical tie, blah, blah, blah. Well, it kind of screwed the season, didn't it? Uh, Michael, the Vikings fan, kind of a troll, but we'll, we'll read this one. To prevent a major fight between staff management and Rodgers, Rodgers, unless on his deathbed, will not want to be sat for his potential replacement. If love goes out and uh, lights the world on fire, there will be a major problem. The dude is usually trolling, but I actually tend to agree with that. Rodgers doesn't... It's how he got his job. It's how Favre got his job. It's how Tom Brady got his job. A lot of quarterbacks get the start of their very long, very uh, prosperous careers when the guy that was playing just five minutes ago goes out and doesn't come back. And sometimes it's not even by their choice. Favre wanted to come back. They wouldn't let him. A lot of these guys would love to come back after their injuries, but um, you're old, you're beat up, and the other guy's been doing really good, and he's young and he's cheap. Let's go with the new guy. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a competitor, he loves the game, all that stuff, but I, I also think he really doesn't want to be benched and, and to have Jordan Love take over. It's not that he doesn't like Jordan Love. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, there's a personal relationship and there's a professional thing. Aaron Rodgers is on top of the world. The last thing he wants is the humiliation of having his job stripped away from him for Jordan Love. Packer Girl says, because it's Aaron effing Rodgers, Jamal says the current administration saw what happened when the switch was made from Favre to Rodgers and are afraid of the backlash they'll receive for doing it again. I thought that was an interesting take because it sounded like they were going in the direction of they should do it, right? I mean, I get the backlash and not wanting to deal with it, but at the same time, you also saw the result was Aaron Rodgers. Anyways, I'm not going to read all of these. There's uh, like 40 more. Um, let's get to what I was thinking. A lot of the comments from J.J. And, and the one after have to do with if he comes back, right? Here's the thing. We don't know if he's coming back or not. We don't. And as a result of Aaron Rodgers now being in this position that Favre was in and everybody else where we don't know if he's coming back and it becomes this big thing of is he or isn't he, the team is forced at this time to assume He's not. Everybody else is coming at it from the standpoint of we have to assume he is and he needs the, the work with his receivers. B.S. We are now beholden to Aaron Rodgers. He got the contract he wanted, and the contract he wanted basically puts him in charge of this team and its destiny. Fine. You got what you wanted. Congratulations. But we are going to prepare this team for your departure because we have to, because that's where we are as an organization. The season is over. It is over. And, and, and here's the thing. While there's still a 2% chance, yes, there is a 2% chance. There's also a higher than 2% chance that Rodgers is not coming back next year and we're going to be starting a quarterback that has no time because Rodgers didn't feel like sitting and we didn't feel like having the backbone of telling him he has to. 
Either way, we're on the verge of making a decision about what to do with Jordan Love, who hasn't thrown a single pass. It's obviously hyperbole. He has thrown passes, but barely. So here's the situation. You get to control everything, Rodgers. We gave you the contract. You're in complete control. You can stay or you can go. But because we don't have an answer, we are forced to move forward as though you're not going to be here. As far as you wanting, well, he needs more time with his guys. He's going to be back next year, and he's not that. First of all, he's had a lot of preparation. But you know what? If he actually really wants more time, you know what he could do? He can show up for training camp. But you know what? He's not going to. And you know what? You're not going to hold him accountable for that. So I don't want to hear anything about how he needs this time. You know what else he can do? He can work with them in the offseason. He has months and months and months that he can work with these guys. You think Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Samori Ture and a lot of these other guys are going to say no if Roger says, I'm going to fly you out to California and we're going to work together? You think they're not, they, 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 I mean, they could be doing stuff virtually. They could do like a daily, a weekly, or whatever. They could be going over stuff. They could be, he could be answering questions and doing all these things. And yeah, then they could, do, they could do meetups. Rogers could fly out to their hometown for fun. Why not? You got nothing else to do but spend money and fly around on vacation. Go hang out with Christian Watson and his family. He's not going to do any of that. So you know what? I don't want to hear about these last couple weeks that he could be thrown with a busted up thumb and busted up ribs, five more passes to Christian or five more touchdown passes to Christian Watson. He has plenty of opportunity to work with the young guys, and he's not going to take advantage of any of it. The team doesn't have any ability to control its own future, and so it has to prepare appropriately. And the appropriate way to prepare is to say if Rodgers comes back, great. But if not, we're not prepared. That's the problem. There's only one, there's two very real possibilities, and we're only prepared for one. Why are we continuing to only prepare for that one? Well, Rodgers needs more time. What about the other scenarios? And even worse than the possibility that Jordan Love might come in next year completely cold with no real preparation with any of these guys. Aside from the little bit he'll get in training camp and, and that one game, you know, two drives on whatever. Even worse than that is the thought that maybe we would just ship him off and for pennies, and he really is the real deal. Can you imagine if we had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and it was three hits and one of them we traded away because we were too stupid to do the right thing? Can you imagine that? Brian Gutekunst, and rightly so, would be the most hated man in all of Green Bay. That would be the biggest flub. That would be 10 times worse than that stupid draft pick of the offensive, the roided-out offensive lineman. It would be a hundred times worse. Who gives a crap about a missed offensive, a first round pick? It happens every year. Giving away a third Hall of Fame quarterback three in a row, something that has never happened. We're talking 45 years of supremacy because of great quarterback play. And you just handed one away because you didn't have the balls to stand up to Aaron Rodgers and say, I don't care. We're going to play Jordan Love and see what he can do. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it's all because we have it in our head that, oh, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. Screw that guy. He's not the guy. We don't know. And we need to know. Well, what if Rodgers doesn't leave? Congratulations. I still need to know what to do with Jordan Love. And I'll be honest, playing Jordan Love, regardless of Aaron Rodgers' decision, is is something that I would consider. Because I'm not going to waste any more time with Jordan Love. If he is the guy, then he's the guy. And Jordan Love can sit on, or Aaron Rodgers can sit on the bench and take all the money with his arms folded and pout all he wants. That was a stupid decision by Brian Gutekunst to give him that contract because we're in this position. But we're in the position and there's nothing we can do about it. But Jordan Love is the question we need answered. It is. Well, Rodgers is still good. Congratulations for Rodgers. And he can be really good for the next year or two until he's gone. But it's one or two years. I'm trying to figure out the next 10. It's maybe one or two years, and if it's one or two years that is any bit similar to this year, who gives a crap about Aaron Rodgers coming back for the next one or two years? I don't know why that's supposed to be like this amazing thing. Like, yeah, but Rodgers could come back. Oh, wow. That really panned out for us this year. I don't care. I, I, it, it honestly feels very similar to what it did. with. I remember saying this about Aaron Rodgers, because remember... I was one of the few people that actually really liked Aaron Rodgers. Just like I'm one of the, well, not anymore. I was one of the few people that liked Jordan Love. Although I liked Rodgers because of his play, not Jordan Love necessarily because of his play. Although I did like his college tape, which everybody that hates Jordan Love will tell you, well, if you watched his college tape, you'd know you didn't watch his college tape. You didn't watch his college tape. If that's your assessment, is that he has no ability, and then he had a bunch of turnovers, primarily against LSU, 
because it's freaking LSU. And as JJ has said a million times, that was one of the, in his opinion, that was one of his best games. But you just stare at his stats all day long. It doesn't look good. But it's freaking LSU. Nobody's open. He has nothing else to do. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But the the genuine fear I had with Aaron Rodgers, especially when he started to show promises, if, if, if we keep jerking this guy around, we're going to lose him. And that's true. If we had allowed Brett Favre to come back rather than having the backbone to stand up and say, I'm sorry, we're moving on. I, I appreciate what you've done. I love it. Uh, I appreciate that you want to come back one more year, but the answer is no, we're moving forward with Aaron Rodgers. And that at that time was the right decision. And I said that at the time. I was a huge Brett Favre fan my entire life. To this day, he is my all-time favorite Green Bay Packer. At that time, I was tired of his his play had declined. I was tired of his yes, no, maybe so garbage crying at press conferences. I think I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire nonsense. While we had a guy that was a promising quarterback sitting there and we're about to lose him. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is deciding. That's entirely up to Aaron Rodgers. He's got this team wrapped around his finger. Congratulations. You fought for that contract so that you can control the entire team, and you got it. But now we have to do what's best for us. And because you get to hold us, this entire organization, for months, while you sit there and ponder whether or not we're going to have a starting quarterback, we need to do what we can to make sure that regardless of your decision, we have a quarterback. And that means we need, and, and by the way, the argument against starting Rodgers that I've heard many people say is the team already knows. The team that just because you don't know doesn't mean the team doesn't. They already know whether they like Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur said that's BS. He said we've seen and we, we really like what we've seen in practice, but we'll, we won't know until we see him in games. Then freaking put him in games. This, is, this has become painfully obvious to me what the decision is. Rodgers is shut down, period. Well, we have a 2% chance. I don't care. First of all, do you re- the, the idea that with Rodgers we have a chance because he's a superstar and with love we don't, we're giving up on the season, says who? Says who? First of all, a lot of Rodgers' issues have nothing at all to do with his thumb. His, his panicking in the pocket, his lack of field vision, his locking in on players, his bad decisions... All of that has nothing to do with a thumb. Some of his bad passes maybe have to do with his thumb. I'm not going to say 100% because the idea that he has 100%, especially considering his best game came when he had a busted up thumb against Dallas. And this last game actually looked pretty good, which is great for, you know, trying to support Rodgers, except for the part where now we can't blame his thumb for those throws. I mean, maybe you can. It could flare up or sometimes hurt, sometimes not. I don't know. But it makes it harder to put everything on his thumb, doesn't it? But, but you add in all the injuries, and, and you're going to tell me that you know for a fact that we, we have a, our, our best chances with Aaron Rodgers. Busted up, broken thumb, can't hold a football, can't breathe because his ribs are busted up, skittish in the pocket, inaccurate, indecisive Aaron Rodgers is our best chance of winning. Really? And how much better? Our, our, our what? 2% chance, which is more of a mathematical thing, not really a... Uh, factoring the, the, the quality of the team, but how much better of a chance do we get with Rodgers over Love? Because I really need to know, because this is a major thing that we're deciding to do by benching Jordan Love, a major decision, a majorly stupid decision. So I really want to know, busted up Aaron Rod, do we even have 2%? And how much does it drop with Jordan Love? Honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll concede to you that the Jordan Love we saw is probably not the real Jordan Love, and, and we're going to see some, some things that are, that are negative. But here's the thing. Jordan Love doesn't have the experience that Aaron Rodgers has, but that experience hasn't gotten us anything. Who has more pocket poise, Love or Rodgers? I don't know. Would you be surprised if it was Jordan Love, considering Rodgers' skittishness in the pocket? I wouldn't. Who has more athleticism? We, we, we always admire Rodgers' ability to escape the pocket and make throws. We saw Jordan Love do it, so he can do that. Who has more zip on their throws? Jordan Love right now does. Who's more accurate? Um... Do you know for sure who's the more accurate quarterback? Who's more athletic and has the ability to threaten with their legs, which is what uh, teams that are succeeding right now, that seems to be a very important thing. Jordan Love does. Who's more likely in this scheme to find and throw accurately to the open guy? Do you know for sure it's Aaron Rodgers? I don't know that it's Jordan Love, but I don't know that it's Aaron Rodgers. The fact that we just automatically say, well, you're giving up on the season if you put Love in over Rodgers. What does that even mean? Why are we implying that, that we're just this elite 
can't unstoppable team with this elite MVP dominant quarterback. And if we give up on him and go with Jordan Love, we're we're putting in basically Deshaun Kaiser. Where where is that coming from? Says who? The a major part of the reason this team has been terrible all year is the quarterback. That's not deniable. So that's where I'm at right now. We need all our bases covered. Do we have our bases covered moving forward? Absolutely not. We have either Aaron Rodgers comes back or we're screwed. That's what we have right now. And I understand that's the position Aaron Rodgers wanted to put you in because he didn't want to have to be beholden to the team. But that doesn't mean you have to give in to that at every single possible turn. Well, if we do that, that would be to our benefit. And Rodgers wants this team to be, it's either me or we're screwed. And so I'm going to honor that by not finding out what we have in Jordan Love, by not giving him an opportunity to play and grow and thrive, by not giving us the ability to make an adequate decision of whether or not we should pay for his fifth-year option, which we have to decide by the end of this season, by not deciding whether or not we need to draft a quarterback in the upcoming draft, because this may be one of the few times we have a high pick, because who knows what's going to happen. Maybe we get a new defensive coordinator and have a good defense and everything, and Roger's thumb gets better, and we actually go on a run next year. We get into the playoffs, and then we're not going to get this window to get another quarterback. We can't do any of these things because we don't know what we have in Jordan Love because we refuse to play him because of a 2% chance and because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and how dare you. Come on. This is nonsense. Where where is the wisdom here? There's no wisdom in any of this. This is straight up stupidity. And I know teams, especially coaches, are laser focused on, I'm just focused on, on next week. I'm just focused on this season. I'm just... That's fine, but I'm going to look at the GM right now and say your job is not to focus on just this season. Your job specifically is, is to focus on the health of this season and beyond. And right now, that and beyond alarm bell should be ring a ding 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 a in your head, because we are headed for a really scary period of time. And I think we have gotten to the point where you need, we, we're running out of opportunities for Jordan Love. How many games do you need? I, I would assume you'd like to see like a full season. And even that is, is probably not enough. We are squandering the last couple games left. And again, it's not going to, well, after this week we'll be, what if we win? Then we're not eliminated. I mean, if we, and, and then we have a bye week. If we win and then have a bye week, we're not eliminated. We're not eliminated. And then the next week, Rodgers plays again. We are running out of time, and I think the team honestly is just afraid that if we shut him down and Rodgers comes back, it's going to be a problem with Rodgers. Rodgers is going to stay here and just be like, why did you do that? I thought you trusted me. Bro, we don't know if you're coming back, and I respect that, and we've given you that ability. You are 100% safe with the contract we've given you. That is your security. You don't have the right now to lord over our, our decision on who plays quarterback. You have to understand my position here. And, and Gutekunst can allow himself to be the bad guy and shield Matt LaFleur and, and, and just go to Rodgers, who's now apparently his buddy, who won't be after this conversation, but, and, and just explain to him, you're busted up, the season is done, let's shut you down. And if he doesn't like it, then I'm sorry. This is what we have to do. Or, or here's the thing, if he doesn't like it and he says he wants to play, then, then the next words out of Brian Gutekunst's mouth need to be, I need a commitment today. Are you coming back next year? If he says, I don't know, then he says, then we're going with Jordan Love. It's that simple. And if Rodgers wants to be huffy about that, that's stupid. Because obviously, that's the decision any rational team would make. I need a commitment today. Are you coming back 100% yes or no? I don't know. Then we're going with love. So, again, um, that early morning clarity, and it, it, it hit me. And this, this just makes perfect sense. Bottom line, if Rodgers won't commit to the team, the team shouldn't commit to Rodgers. Period. With that said, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast directly. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry is the charity that uh, we are supporting. If you're interested in finding out more about them, if you want to read more about that issue, as Rogers would say, you can find it at fertilegroundranch.org. There's a link to donate uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter if you'd like to uh, find it more easily. Please remember we're giving away a signed Paul Horning jersey. comes with a certificate of authenticity. Uh, and every $5 that you give to Fertile Ground Ranch will be entered one additional time. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so this is going to be a very strange pivot considering the impassioned plea of the first half of the show. But another uh, realization that I had, and it happened yesterday during Packernet After Dark that I decided not to expound on because I thought, ooh, that'll be good for tomorrow. It's understandable that the most talked about situation in Green Bay is the quarterback situation, but that's not the most important thing right now. It's kind of just a distraction from what should be the biggest talking point, which is the defense. The offense is fine. It's not perfect, but it's fine. Did you know that despite scoring 17 points in Week 12, the Green Bay Packers over the last three weeks are the sixth highest scoring offense in football? We've scored two less points over the last three weeks than Kansas City, than the Chiefs. We've scored more points. You know who's just behind us seventh is the Philadelphia Eagles. Surprisingly, the Raiders are up here too. What the heck have they been doing? They're on a two-game winning streak, son. They scored 40 points this past week is the the big thing. Anyways, the offense is clipping along just fine. And, And again, there are still major question marks about the future. There are question marks about Jordan Love. But let's be real honest about something else. The offense looked just fine with Jordan Love, too. The biggest question of the success of this team, from my perspective, has less to do with which quarterback is going to be our quarterback and the wide receivers and the tight ends and the offensive line and the running backs. Obviously, quarterback is a major question. But if we look at Rodgers and the decline he's had and, and we look at Love and the, the way that he's playing, the, it doesn't matter because of the defense. That is the biggest question mark for the Packers right now. What are we going to do to fix the defense? It's almost like all the stuff that's going on are, are, are cause for major distractions, right? Uh, Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' injury issues, Aaron Rodgers' future with the team, the, the team's record overall, the fact that we have a 2% chance and all these different things. Even the defense has its own slight distractions, like uh, Jim Leonard, like we want to talk about Jim. Let's just look directly at the defense for a second. And I did mention this yesterday on Packernet After Dark, but if this was a, let's just say, competent defense, and let's say we just restarted the season. We're going to restart the season as it is. I know Aaron Rodgers is a big question. Let's just say let's just say his thumb heals, which is unfair for some people because some people think that if his thumb heals, he's back to MVP Aaron Rodgers, whatever. Let's just not worry about it. The offense continues what it's been doing the last three weeks, the defense becomes a, a competent defense. Do you think we're going to the playoffs? I think we got a real shot. I don't know that we're Super Bowl contenders necessarily, but I really do think we probably get in the playoffs. If we restart this season and the defense plays better, with the way the offense is playing, I think we would be in the playoffs. If you look at the rest of the teams and how bad everybody else is, it doesn't even it's a low bar to, en- to entry. We've got an offense that's putting up 30-some-odd points, depending on the opponent, and most opponents are going to be favorable to us and we're not giving up 30 points a game because our defense is trash. So you see the main issue with the team is the defense. It's not even really a question. And so my question is, what are we going to do about it? And, and listen, I have never been more sure of anything in my life at this point that Joe Barry needs to go. And, and you know, Clayton posted a clip, and he's 100% right. It, it's the clip that I'm sure you've seen a million times of um, Jalen Hurts running, and we have three guys that miss tackles. Quay Walker misses a tackle. Adrian Amos comes up and misses the tackle. And then Darnell Savage whiffs on the tackle. Three guys whiff. He says, imagine playing uh, a play call spy on third and 10 where you give three defenders the opportunity to tackle one person, but they all whiff. Then only the defensive coordinator is blamed. I, too, think Barry should go, but we have to stop pretending like it's a scheme-only problem. I think that's true. However, if you watch this play, 
And this is why I keep saying this. Uh, again, the, the, players, the players might be 70% of the problem as opposed to the scheme. My issue with Joe Barry has become less about scheme and more about this play. The guys that missed tackles are not even my biggest issue with this play. Pick any player on this defense, not including the guys that missed the tackles, not including Kingsley and Igbari and Rudy Ford. Pick anybody, and there's two guys that were too far away from this play. The lack of effort, the lack of heart, the lack of, of giving any amount of crap is insane to me. Kenny Clark, Razul Douglas, Jaron Reed, they're all within inches of making tackles and are just jogging. Just, eh, somebody else will get them. I don't really care. Preston is jogging. The only guys that seem to care on this team are the young guys. Rudy Ford, Kingsley, and Igbari. And, and, and again, even Quay Walker, at least the guy tried. Adrian Amos came up. Darnell Savage, this is what I've always said about Savage. He's not a great player, but he has heart. He's one of the few people on this defense that still gives a crap. And you, and, and, and you can really see how bad this is when Rudy Ford comes up and actually makes the play because you can see how slow everybody like Razul Douglas. Razul Douglas is pathetic on this play. First of all, Savage makes him look stupid because he comes flying past him to make the tackle that Razul should have made, but Razul's just standing there. Then Rudy Ford comes in and makes the tackle that he should have made later in the play. But you can see how slow everybody's going when you see Rudy Ford come in like a heat-seeking missile. That's really highlights. And, and by the way, Kingsley coming up from behind, passing Jaron Reed, Kenny Clark, and Preston Smith. The veterans on this team don't care. The veterans on this team don't want to be here. Amos isn't playing. Kenny's not playing. Reed apparently decided to stop playing. Preston on this play gave up playing. Razul gave up playing. The, the veterans don't care. And by the way, the missed tackles tie directly into just not caring. Lazy fundamentals. Slow decision-making. These are all facets of a defense that's just, uh, I don't want to do this. It all ties together. I mean, it, it's gone from me wondering about this defense in particular in terms of they don't have that extra bit of fire. It's now not about extra fire. This team acts like they hate it in Green Bay. They hate this team. They hate being out there. They hate playing football. I don't know if it's just several weeks of being bludgeoned and um, being made to look stupid. I have no idea. I don't remember when this play happened. And, you know, I, I haven't gone back and watched the game. But just on this play, and I, I just noticed it as I was watching it, because um, obviously the missed tackles stand out. You kind of don't see the rest of it. But man, I, I saw Razul Douglas, and I was like, well, that kind of sucks. And then I watched Kenny, and I was like, well, that kind of sucked. I mean, he was being held, which isn't great. But I mean, he's standing almost arm's length away from the guy at one point when he turns around. And he, oh, oh, no, he's kind of far. Oh, and he just kind of starts jogging. And Jaron Reed's just jogging. And Preston's just kind of jogging. Again, Razul lets. He lets Savage come in and make a tackle, which he misses. And then he starts jogging down the field to try to make a tackle further down. Rudy Ford flies past him to, to eventually get him out of bounds. It's like, th this team does not care. And um, again, it's, it's why I'm not buying into the whole, this, this team is not as good as we thought. I, I think the decline in their abilities is directly attributable to this. You're telling me Kenny Clark has always been one of the worst defensive tackles in football? My, my concern is, what the heck do we do about this? My, my concern, honestly, especially with the veterans, because although this is a relatively young team, a lot of the veterans are still young guys. I mean, Jair is technically one of the veterans, and he's young. But the point is, a large portion of our team are starting to give up on the team, and I'm concerned about turning this around. Now, maybe... Maybe it doesn't matter, and, and next year we fire, or, you know, get rid of Barry and bring somebody else in, and, and, and everybody's bought in, and they're excited, right? New season. Maybe they're just bummed out because the season's done. I don't know. Kind of a pathetic excuse to be playing this bad, especially since it's been several weeks now. Um, you gave up a long time ago, apparently. Either we're like 13-3, and three, best team in football, or I'm not playing is kind of a garbage attitude to have. But anyways, we'll leave that alone. I, I, I guess my concern is I, I just view this as a cancerous attitude. You know how stuff kind of sticks? You ever notice that where, where certain places or times of the year kind of have a certain attitude to them? And as soon as you go to that place, you kind of change your demeanor. Maybe that's just me or, or could be like a guy thing with our brains or something. I'm not entirely sure. I know that we're, we're very segmented people or whatever. But anyways, for example, I was always much more motivated driving home about what I was going to do when I got home 
more so than when I got home. When I walked in that door, everything changed. And it's like I was a different person with different emotions and different, everything changed. And all of a sudden I was at home, Ryan. And suddenly it's like, I ain't doing that. And then in the morning, it was like a different thing because it's morning and it's work routine and it's a part of work. And then on the, you know, in your car on the way to work, like everything's just different. Seasonal changes, like when, when the season changes over, it changes your mood. It changes everything. I don't want the Packers to leave. And then when they come back, they walk into the locker room and get kind of that, oh, here we go. Ugh, I, I just, I don't want there to be a actual infection of that locker room, of this team, in, in the meeting rooms of, you know, I don't want that to be the prevailing feeling and thought of, I hate it here. I hate this team. We're losers. And the biggest reason I bring that up is I, I, I think it's silly for the fan base to be so upset about not firing Joe Barry right now. Like, it has to happen right... Everything has to be right now. Right now. Right? If, if, if fans ran a team, we would be firing people every... People would get two weeks, and if things don't turn around, they're getting fired, and this guy's getting fired, and that guy's getting fired, and, and every free agent's getting brought in, and then they're immediately getting cut because they suck. There's no patience whatsoever. And there's no benefit in my mind, ultimately, to the team long-term, aside from what I'm saying right now, to firing him and bringing somebody else in. I, I don't know what the benefit of that is. Well, we're going to finish the season strong and still lose. But I just wonder if things are this bad and, and the team, and I don't know what the team's issue is. Maybe it has nothing to do with Joe Barry, but maybe it does. If they're this upset and disgruntled, I, I just wonder if there is a benefit to making a statement right now. And I know fans want a statement for themselves. They, they want blood, right? They, they want a, a sacrifice at the altar because you have hurt me. I wanted a good season and you didn't give me one and I want somebody's head. That's not what I'm talking about. That, that, that's stupid. Things can wait. They have the ability to wait until the season's done, go through their process of evaluating things and coming to a conclusion. That's fine. But, but I just wonder if there's something to making a statement to your team. I know somebody on Twitter had mentioned something about that when I had mentioned the Joe Barry thing that, you know, you need to fire Joe Barry. If, if you, you put on the tape and, and you see what I just described to you. A team that doesn't care anymore. And, and what was said to me on Twitter was, fire Joe Barry and you tell anybody that if you're out there missing tackles or not playing with effort, I added the last part, you can come sit out. You know, not the whole game, but whatever. Play or two. You're going to sit on the bench for being a bum. You know, we, we talk about the standard, but we don't back it up. Maybe there does need to be a statement firing. And I know that's, that's a horrible thing and, and it would be inconscionable for Matt LaFleur to even think about doing something like that, especially to a friend of his, the embarrassment that would come along with that, they would never do that. But I'm thinking pragmatically, what would be the best for the team? And I don't know that that isn't the best. And, and let's be honest, this is maybe the problem with hiring your friends, because the only thing that should matter is what's best for the team. That's your job. You understand how this works. If you're, you're expected to get things up and running. And if it's not working, that's on you. Matt LaFleur, your job is in jeopardy because of what's going on right now. And whether or not you can fix this is going to determine whether or not you get to keep your job. Don't get yourself fired trying to protect everybody else in that building. Now, again, I could be wrong, but I, I genuinely think it would go a long way with the locker room to stand up and say, we, we, you know, if you come walking into the meeting room and say, you know, we, we preach accountability, we talk about a standard, and it's about time we own up to it. If you look around the room, you'll notice. Joe Barry is not here. He was let go. Today, we start living up to that standard. If we don't turn this around, this is Matt LaFleur speaking, I'm going to lose my job because this organization will hold to the standard. And as a result, I'm going to start holding you to that standard. Everybody in this building will play up to the standard that is required in Green Bay, Wisconsin, myself included. Every player, every coach. If you are not out here putting out effort, if you're not paying attention, if you don't know what you're doing on defense, if you don't know what you're doing on offense, if you're making mistakes and, 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 and don't have your head in the game, then you won't be playing in the game. Don't have time for this anymore. Yes, the season is over. It's time for you to decide if your career is over or not. I'm not asking you to play for a Super Bowl. I'm asking you to play for yourself, for your teammates, for your families. Have some freaking pride as a man. I'm asking you to go out there and be a freaking man and have some accountability. And if you can't do that, then you don't need to be in this league. Would that not be 
a good message or should we just continue doing what we're doing where we just, eh, hey guys, you, uh, we, we can't have that. Can't have that with the missed tackles there. Okay, we got to be better. Got to focus on our fundamentals, okay? Hey, Joe, uh, we, we got to be better, man. We got to do better, okay? I know, I'm trying. They're, they're not tackling. I know, I know. They're, they're, they're having a... We still got to be better, okay? We got to get the guys focused. Got to get them ready to play, okay? Come on, guys. We can do this. Ready? Go, team. Nope, nope. Okay, we still suck. But hey, listen, guys. Uh, we got to be... We got to do better, okay? You can't preach accountability and not back it up. Bottom line. If you preach accountability and you don't back it up, it doesn't mean anything and everybody sees that. And suddenly it just becomes words. And it, what it means is there is no accountability for the Packers. And there isn't. What, what, what is the downfall of you just not showing up? If you're a coach or a player that doesn't play well, what's the repercussions? There are none. I mean, we're, we're seeing it in a minor way with, for example, Sammy Watkins and with kind of Darnell Savage, although he just got moved to a new position. But do we think Sammy Watkins would have been demoted if it wasn't for the emergence of Christian Watson? Because they're basically the same position. If Christian Watson was still, let's say, injured, Sammy'd be right where he, where he, where he is, where he was. They wouldn't have touched him. It's, it's partially about accountability, but it's also comfortable accountability. Now, now that we can do it with no repercussions, we'll do it. And the great thing is, you have nothing to lose right now. I mean, it's hard to hold people accountable, especially your star players, when you've got you know playoffs on the line. You can't be benching guys like Jair or or, or uh, Kenny Clark or anything. You can't do that. We could lose the game. So what? It's about the future at this point. Somebody has to instill something in these guys. Somebody's got to step up and do it. Somebody's got to build some pride. There's no pride. And again, it's, it's just the young guys that are doing all these things. Where's the effort? It's Rudy Ford. It's Kingsley and Igbare. It's, I mean, it's, it's Quay and it's, it's Savage. I mean, they're maybe messing up, but they're playing. At this point, I'll settle for, you know, sucks but gives a crap. It's Devontae Wyatt. You, well, Kenny Clark's a, a you can't expect him to track people down from behind. Yes, I can. I absolutely can expect you to hustle and not give up until the whistle. We've seen Devontae Wyatt do it a couple times this year already, and he's played like seven snaps. I mean, Justin Hollins comes in off the street and, and is making plays. Do we think that's by accident? I mean, I, I wouldn't be, at this point, I'm not surprised if it's 99% the players instead of the scheme. Because if you get a guy to just come in and have, a guy that, that has never done anything in his entire career, like Justin Hollins, and he, we've seen that with every free, every free agent that comes in here that sucks. They come in and just because they care a little bit, look at what happens. All that matters is that you care. For all I know, we have the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of the world. And all that matters is a, a little bit of, of caring. Because people come in and they just look like superstars on this defense. The problem is nobody wants to play. And again, I have to put that on Joe Barry, but good Lord. Hollins has never done anything in his career. He comes in and is one of the best players on our defense. You know why? Because he just cares. Because he's new and he just showed up and he wants to prove something. And that's enough to actually look like a star on this defense. Everybody else, they don't care. right? Why, why is a fifth-round pick, Kings, Kingsley Enigbare, one of the best players on our defense right now? Because he cares. Because he's trying. He's not a superstar draft pick that we nailed out of, knocked out of the park. I mean, maybe he kind of is. He just looks that way. Stars are brightest at night. There's a, there's a dark backdrop. You know, when, you, when you go look at diamonds to you know, go buy your wife a diamond or whatever, they're going to lay out a black velvet sheet because it's the contrast of the, the dark blackness that makes it look sparkly and bright. The sparkly bright things on our defense are mostly sparkly and bright because of how dark everything else is. I just, I just wish I could understand. There's something going on, and I don't know what it is. And the, and the players do, but I don't. There, there is a malaise, and I don't know if there's like a thing that happened or things that are happening. I don't know if there's a player that, that they hate or a coach that they hate or what is going on. But this is unbelievable. And, and again, maybe it's just as simple as the season's over and they're not as good as they thought and they're pouting. I don't know. I mean, the defense certainly is getting worse. But I, I, again, I don't want this to become a cultural thing where next year they don't even try. 
they're not giving 100%, they're giving 80%, because they're a little revved up because the season just started, but they're still not giving 100. Well, if you're not giving 100, then the defense isn't going to meet its full potential. And if it doesn't meet its potential, it's not going to be as good as everybody hyped it up to be. And then they're just going to start getting down on themselves, and they're just going to go from 80 to 75, and 75 to 70, and 70 to 60. Then the next thing you know, somehow with all the talent that they have, somehow they're still one of the bottom five defenses, and I don't understand it. Maybe it's because they're not good football players, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. At some point, they have to believe, and we got to get a guy in the building that's going to get them to 100%. Because again, remember, a lot of this stuff is fake. The Colts thing and, and everything else, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's it's fake. Same with the Eagles, right? They, 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 it was the bravado of being undefeated. And then once they lost, it's like, well, now they're kind of floundering. We looked at that with teams that are undefeated, 8-0, or I think it was 8-0 that I looked at. On average, they go about 500 after their first loss, maybe one game better. That's on average. But fine, then we need that. We need an infusion of, of some kind of a belief that things are... And, and, and to be honest, this is part of the reason why I think a change at quarterback could be beneficial because it's hard to be like, things are about to change and it's all the same guys, it's the same coaches, the same quarterback, the same culture, the same everything. Maybe they need that, you know, just, just something new that they can believe in and, and rally around. Be the underdogs. Nobody believes in us. They're about to find out. Nobody believes in Jordan. Let's go prove him wrong. And let's watch the players rally around the young quarterback. Again, I'm not trying to be anti-Rod. I'm just trying to think this through. We've been in this cycle for so long of, of, you know, we're talented, but we just don't care. And that's why we just, we can't ever get over the hump, despite the fact that we have just these great rosters year after year after year. And, and again, Tunyon described it. You know, they're just like, eh, you know, F this was his words. At the end of the year, we're just like, F the, and they feel like they're frauds. Like, I, I, I don't understand why they're so weak-minded. I don't get it. But something, some, something and someone has to come in and build a culture there. They don't have one. It's trash. It's garbage. And there's a lot of different theories on how that could happen. It could be the players. It could be the coaches. It could be whatever. But somebody has to do something. That has to be a priority. Because we've learned that it doesn't matter how talented you are. If the players don't believe that they can win, they won't. And the players don't believe in themselves. The offense is starting to, which is great. The offensive line is starting to click. The wide receivers are starting to figure it out. They're, they're really starting to get a lot of confidence, which is great. Christian Watson is getting a lot of confidence. I cannot wait for Romeo Dobbs to come back, and hopefully that really starts to take off. But specifically the defense, they, they need something, man. They, they need to get a voice in there, kind of like they had with Zadarius, but, but some kind of a voice. I mean, honestly, what they need is a Ray Lewis. Not just a fun-loving, like, you know, locker room guy. But somebody that's just going to push a, a message of, we're going to kill everybody. And, you know, honestly, it, it, it comes back to, again, what, um, what Sam had said on the podcast a few days ago that I referenced, which is you get what you practice. You know, you can talk all you want about being a tough defense. But if you practice with the mentality of, hey, the NFL today dictates that we be a coverage team and not really a, a team that's stout up front, and that's our main focus and that's our main practice is, is being a good coverage team. And when you go up against a team that says, we're going to smash you in the mouth, you, you can talk all you want. But if you haven't been practicing it, if you aren't ready for it, you're not going to be as good as the team that has been, right? I've heard a lot of people say it's a mentality, man. And it's a culture. And it starts with, we're going to practice it. Dave Wanstead talked about how we would practice goal line. And it was a pride thing. You, you cared about that inch. And, and, you know, your guys would get in and their, their faces would be about an inch off the ground and they would get as low as they could and it was low man wins and you would push. You know, we, we've, we've demonized any amount of, of just being tough and violent and physical. You know, the Oklahoma drill is, is banned because it's too violent and it's too mean. Well, we're trying to take out violence and meanness out of a football game and then we're trying to convince the defense that, hey, you guys need to be tough and violent and mean, but we're not going to practice that because that's a little too rough and violent and mean. And we're going to focus on fundamentals and technique, which is great. I mean, you have to know fundamentals and technique, but again, there, there is a mentality to it, and we're ignoring that. There's a mentality to football, and we don't have it because we're so intellectual. And that's what we've always been. That's where the term soft comes from. I mean, it's, it's basically synonymous. We're an intellectual team. We're a soft team. It's all about fundamentals and technique. It's why Rodgers loves all the timing and all the... All, it's, it's all about we're smarter than you, which is Rodgers' whole persona. I'm smarter than you. We're, we're, we're trying to outsmart people on a football field. And, it, you know, and, and honestly, I think we have a defense that knows that they're physically gifted. And we draft people that are physically gifted, and we're trying to make them Harvard grads. 
well, they're not they're not in their assignments, and they're not. You you need to be standing here, and then then that that that, and it's so intellectual. And yes, you have to know that. But we have these guys that are that are young, fast, violent football players, and that's what they want to be. And we're not letting them just be that. No, 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 no. See, you got to understand. Here's your assignment, and then you we're constantly, you know, we're telling them, no, you just need to fly around the field and be decisive. But we're constantly like, well, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Well, I want you to hold back. I want you to slow down. I want you to stop. Quay Walker. What is my my concern about him the entire year is he doesn't attack downhill. Well, he's probably not supposed to. So how do we get on the guys about not being physical, not being downhill, not being good at tackling? Why are you down on tackling? Maybe because your entire mantra to the defense has been hold back, slow down, back up, right? Everybody's upset about soft defense. What does that mean? Stand back. We're scared they're going to get behind us. We're scared about this. Quay Walker, he's been spying quarterbacks the entire year. He was spying Taylor Heineke. You're gonna you, you drafted a linebacker in the first round to to, to spy Taylor Heineke because you're scared about him running. I know the guy can run, but come on. I mean, if, if we have to spy every quarterback, I mean, e- even Jalen Hurts. Let's be the guy's got four six speed. He doesn't have four four three two speed. He has four six speed. I mean, he he's basically Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers had four seven speed. I mean, I you know, but I think Heineke he according to this four seven six. You get what you practice, and unfortunately, our what what we're actually drilling does not back up our words. Yeah, we want you to be tough. We want you to be physical. We want you to be violent. We want you to be fast and decisive. But what we're telling them in the meetings and everything else is what? Slow down. Back up. Play with your eyes. Play with your mind. Watch. Listen. Wait. And so, well, why did you miss the tackle? Man, I yeah, I don't know, man. Crazy. And it is tough because it, it's it's it's. It's a double-edged sword. Scheme is what's winning out there. You got all these, 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 you know, we're trying to bring that in. We're trying to get these guys up to speed, but there has to be some level of understanding this is football. It's not freaking chess. And if you as a coach want to treat it as a chess match, you should. That's great, but the players need to be players. They're not coaches. I know Aaron Rodgers envisions himself as a coach, and that's how he plays, and that's fine. That's his thing. But I think specifically on our defense, they're football players, and they want to be. Jair wants to go out and smash somebody. Amos's nickname is literally Smash. Let them be football players. Let them go hit somebody. I mean, you know, Quay Walker got ejected, and, and we've had other guys getting hitting people out of bounds. I mean, they're, they're, they got pent-up frustration, but they also, they just want to be physical football players, and that's what we should want. But again, it's not enough to just say it. Yeah, yeah, go be physical. That's it. You get them. You get them. However, pause, maybe back up a couple feet there, okay? Yeah, I mean, you go get them. But but don't like, you know, you need to back up and stand there. Don't like actually go get him because he could get behind you and you need to stay assignment sound and just hang out, right? We had multiple people call in. And, and again, Coach Hahn mentioned it in the Discord. It's a four, fourth and inches and we have two defensive tackles. Why? Why don't we empty the big boys off the bench and say, go out there and don't let them get an inch? You know, I, I, I have very little football experience. Very little. I hated it. I played it in middle school. I, I mentioned that. I played it in middle school. I hated it. I never did it again. We didn't win a single game. It sucked. We played against Elgin. I played for, um, well, not Elgin, but we were a crappy team that had not a lot of athletes. And we go to Elgin and there are 500 kids. And every kid looked like they were college students. They were huge. They were massive. Let's just be honest. They were black. So we didn't stand a chance. At one point, my, my, my friend John, was on the team, but he had asthma, so they never let him play, ever. He was begging to get on the field. I, I was constantly offering. I, I was first, second string, special teams, offense, defense. I was always on the field. He was never on the field. I offered him my spot. I, I, at one point, dude stepped on my arm, and my arm was turning all black and blue, and I was like, hey, why don't you let John go in for me? I'm all jacked up. I can't play. No, 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 we're not putting him in. All right, well, then in that case, I'm fine. At one point, this was the only time all year they put John on the field. It was against Elgin, very good football team. They did not get one inch. They didn't get a single first down. They didn't get anything against us. And we just started to believe. It was the first time all year we got excited. We got... It's, this is such an emotional game. And when you're out there and your team sucks and you suck and you know it and you don't like it and it's like you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in anything, it was the most fun. If it had been like that all year, I probably would have kept playing. It was so fun 
to just, first of all, to have him out there. And, and it was like a different defense that we hadn't played with before. It was me and him and some other guys. We were along the defensive line, and, and we started saying that to each other, not one inch, not one inch. And they didn't. And for some reason, the coaches, they, they pulled John, they pulled some of the guys, and they put me and the, the old crew back out there, and it, it fell apart again. Don't understand why they did that, but football is not X's and O's. It's not. Once you have football players playing football, you can try to utilize certain schematic things to to put things in order. But right now, we have a defense that's playing at 10%. I don't care who the defensive coordinator is. Vic Fangio, Jim Leonard, Joe Barry, doesn't matter. Our defense is going to suck. We need somebody to come in and build a culture. That's priority number one. Priority number two, implement a really solid scheme. But you got to get a culture guy. You have to. And somebody that understands that we need these guys to want. And, and that's the whole situation with, with, with uh, playing man coverage. What, was it true that we should be playing man across the board all the time because, because we suck? In, no, that was never true. But it was still right that we should do it because Jair wanted to do it. He wanted to be told, you're the freaking man and nobody, nobody does anything against you. We're putting you on them. It's just, it's just that, that vote of confidence. Instead of saying, eh, you know, and, and he runs all over the entire defense and we suck and we're hiding Jair because, because we care about the scheme, not the players. We, we telegraph to the players that you're just pawns. The real winner here is the scheme. No, no, the stars are the players. And we're not utilizing them in that fashion. You know, I mean, Kenny Clark, we're constantly using him as like a, a space eater and all these different things. And it's, you know, the guy's never been a superstar, probably because we've never put him in a position to say, just go be a superstar. It's fine if you make mistakes. It's fine if some other guys don't, you know, if you don't clean up everybody else's mistake. This is about you, big dog. Go go make plays. No, you got to be the one to make sure that, you know, you, you got to clean up the mess because everybody else isn't super great. You know, the other defensive tackles and the edge rushers and the linebackers. I'm asking you to kind of just make sure that everybody else is doing their thing and, and you know, help the linebackers, help these guys, help those guys. If we ever allowed him to be the superstar, he started off the year on a pace that I've never seen, and now he just, he's given up. And, and, and that's, that's the honest answer to the question. Everybody's asking, what is going on with Kenny? He gave up. That's the answer to the question, he's given up. That's also why I haven't given up on the team, and I'm not buying into the this defense was never that good philosophy. They've given up. Jair gave up. Kenny gave up. Razul gave up. I watched it. I just watched it. I watched Jaron Reed give up. I watched Preston give up. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we should fire Joe Barry midseason. I know it's not going to happen. Uh, I, I don't know if that would be the right thing or not. But regardless, we have wasted and squandered this entire season. And we need a culture guy to come in next year for the defense. For sure. And again, I don't care if we hire somebody specifically for that and give them some BS title, offense and defense. We hire two guys. And your job is to be the, the coach of Col- I'm not going to call you that because it sounds lame and then nobody will buy into it. We'll give you some other name, but you're, you're being brought in because you're a culture guy. We'll call you assistant offensive coordinator or something, an assistant defensive coordinator, but, but make very clear your job is, is to instill culture. You are the protector of the culture. And if, if the defensive and offensive coordinators start getting in the way of that, you need to say something, right? If we start getting too cerebral, if we start kind of hurting the locker room with, with some of the stuff we're doing and saying and some of the plans we have moving forward, you need to say something. It's painful, though, to see it. it, it, it and it's frustrating because I want to just tell the players, like, come on, man, it's just suck it up, baby. But it's just, it's human nature. You know, it, maybe it shouldn't be that way, but I'm not living in the world of what should be. I'm living in the world of what is. That's the reason I've come down on Joe Barry. It's the reason I've come down on Matt LaFleur. People that get mad at me that live in the world of what should be. Well, look what he's done in the past. And, and you know, it's not his fault. It's not that it's not about what what should be. It's about what is. And again, the culture's gone to zero and this team has gone to zero. Can we rebound from that or not? Anyways, I've rambled long enough. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.